I was reading an article from 2021. I know I'm a bit behind, but uh, I picked out this article because it is um, representative of where many people are at today. It's from The Guardian. It was written in June 2021, and it made this statement. Chronic stress at work can lead to listlessness, fatigue, and a much higher risk of stroke and heart disease. What a joyful thing to start with this morning, isn't it? So we head into the Christmas season, and stress is everywhere about. Simon starts talking about, hey guys, there is an article that says how dangerous it is to live with stress. And what the article said was this, you can burn out, which is being overwhelmed by doing too much. Anybody suffering with burnout? Yeah, there'll be a few people. You can bore out. This is a new one to me. That means you're doing too little and you're getting bored. Yep, that's all the kids when the holidays kick in. Or you can be worn out. Worn out is by being ground down by the constant, unrelenting pressure. Now, the worn out one, I think, is quite prevalent that people feel the pressure is constant at work and whatever they're doing, and it is slowly grinding them and wearing them out. And then the symptoms that came along with this was fatigue, muscle aches, headaches, stomach issues, psychological effects, loss of motivation, uh, low amounts of energy, feeling exhausted, um, physical and social, um, just tiredness. Uh, and one person that they interviewed who was going through this wrote this. They wrote this about her. It said, looking back, she could see how stress had accumulated during her 15 years in finance. I lived with insomnia. I had panic attacks, chest pains, muscular pains. I was highly competitive working in a tough environment, but I never really had the tools to stop stress becoming chronic. She experienced brain fog and tasks that she could once do in 10 minutes ended up taking hours. Wow. Stress. The World Health Organization, this is some more good news. The World Health Organization did a study on working hours and premature death and they came to this conclusion. The study concludes that working 55 or more hours per week is associated with an estimated 35% higher risk of a stroke and a 17% higher risk of dying from ischemic heart disease compared to working 35 to 40 hours a week. So there we are, guys. That's the good news for today that we face stress, and if we work more hours, we damage our body. But again, same as last week, I just want to give a bit of context in which I want to bring the good news of Jesus. Because really, the good news of Jesus is no good if it's just an abstract good news. It needs to be a good news that affects us here and now on the planet that we live in. 
This is what Jesus said. Now, just think about, we've been talking about stress, about strain, about burnout, about overwhelm, about too many hours of work, about people dying. You know, there are hundreds of thousands of people dying prematurely because of their work life. And here's what Jesus says in John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Wow. I mean, for me, that's a wow. In the midst of all of this, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had already known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So in the midst of a life of stress and difficulty and all the problems that come with it, we have this amazing truth from Jesus that simply says that believers live without fear. You know, not having our hearts troubled means that we don't live in this constant fear. I've been reading uh, news after news article that comes into my news feed about parents saying, oh, we're fearful about Christmas, we haven't got the money to pay for presents for kids, we haven't got enough money to pay the gas bill, we haven't got enough money to pay electric, etc. And people are waking up with the stress and the pressure of the life that they're in and there is fear because they do not know what is coming down the road. The believer lives without fear. Why does the believer live without fear? Well, firstly, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I mean, come on, if Jesus says that to us, it must be possible. Jesus knows that the believers who trust in him have knowledge that unbelievers do not possess. We know the beginning when God made the world. We know the present that we're living with Jesus. And we know the end when we have the second advent of Jesus. And he comes back as we've just read. And he's prepared a place to us. And he will take us to be with him for all time. Man alive, that should give us some peace. We know who made the world. We know how it started, we know how it will end, and we know this amazing truth that Jesus Christ is coming back. And he also said, hey guys, there's room for you. You know, when Jesus was a little baby, or actually just before he was born, and his mum and dad went to find a place, there was no room at any of the inns for them to stay. And Jesus says here, guys, my house is big enough for all of you to come and to stay with me. I think that's an amazing promise of Jesus. There is a place for us. Jesus is even now preparing it and he'll come back when it's ready 
and we will be with him for all time. What an amazing comfort in an uncertain world that there is a place for us in Jesus. I love that. There may not be a place for us on the earth, but there will be a place for us with Jesus Christ. And as we trust in Jesus, it brings us a full life, a life that is free from the fear and worry that the world suffers from. We don't need tarot cards. We don't need palm readings. We know the end. We know what is coming down the road. And if for a short time we have to go through trials and difficulties, we know that they will not last. And we know that through them Christ is with us and at points he is carrying us through. And that probably one of the most powerful statements at Christmas is that we are not alone. You're not alone. You might feel you're alone, but if you trust in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, you are not alone because Jesus said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. We are not alone. Our lives are in God's hands. We know the future and for us, the future is better than the present. Let me repeat that. The future is better than the present. We have this amazing promise that Jesus has made. Now, I know for some of us this year, we have seen the homeward call of some of our brothers and sisters whom we love. That's been a tough year. But we know that we shall see them again. We know that they are with Christ and we know that when Christ returns, he brings them with him. So we can safely say that our hearts are not troubled. We trust in Jesus. I know we go through mourning. I know we go through the difficult times and I'm praying for you guys. And I want to encourage you to pray for folks because Christmas is not easy when you've lost a loved one. But Jesus is with us. Jesus will give us the strength. Jesus will help us to get through. But there's also a challenge in what Jesus said in these few verses. He said, you believe in God, that's great, but believe in me also. Many people around the world believe in some form of God. Muslims, Hindus, Sikhs, and so on. There are so many religions. There's, there's religions where people say they're not religious. You know, um, living your life serving money means money becomes a god. It's a religion. So many religions where people believe in a god. But belief in a god, according to Jesus, is not enough. Jesus says, believe in God, but believe also in me. It's not just a belief in some general God, it's a belief in Jesus Christ who is God. Why did he say this? Well, he answers it in verse 6. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one, listen to these words, no one can come to the Father except through me. In that very short sentence, Jesus is saying, not all religions will lead to God the Father in heaven. Only Jesus Christ will get you there. You know, I'm, 
Uh, I applaud people who pray. Uh, I know Muslims pray, Hindus pray, loads of people pray, and they pray for all kinds of stuff. But let me tell you that unless you are believing in Jesus Christ, there is no other way to get to heaven. None whatsoever. He is the only way. The good thing is, in case you want to throw things at me, I'm not telling you this. Jesus tells us this himself because he says no one can come to the Father except through me. I mean, it's quite simple, really. The reason no one can come to the Father except through Jesus is because Jesus is the only one who deals with sin. You've never heard of the blood of Muhammad. You've never heard of the blood of Shiva. You've not heard of the blood of all these other gods because they did not die for you, but Jesus did. And unless somebody takes the punishment for our wrongdoing, there is no forgiveness. And unless we are forgiven, there is no heaven. And so Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus promised us a worry-free life. If we trust in Jesus, then we have this life that is full. We have a life where we don't need to worry. Yet there are times where all of us, we kind of get nervous and we worry about things. But you know, it's in those times we have to trust God. I I frequently hit times where I wake up in the morning, I think, Lord, how am I going to get through this? And he says, you just sit with me for a while. You just talk with me. You pour out your heart to me. And as I spend time with Jesus, he pours in his grace. He pours in his faith. He pours in confidence. He pours in hope. And after a while, I get up and I think, yeah, I can get through this. Because Christ is with me. Because Christ is strengthening me from the inside out. I don't need to hype myself up. One of the things these article, this article that I was reading was demonstrating was that a lot of people cope with things like alcohol or drugs or other things as a coping mechanism, whereas for us as believers, our coping mechanism is Jesus. We pray. Prayer is the most powerful thing that you possess that God has given to you. We think it's the spiritual gifts of healing or miracles or all those things, but actually it's prayer. Prayer is the most powerful thing because prayer is something that God answers and he releases to us the most amazing things. We need to pray. We need to pray. And we need to pray. Jesus said, do not let our hearts be troubled. 74 times in the NIV we find the phrase, do not be afraid. And in nearly all instances, it is God talking to a human being. Isn't that amazing that we have records in the scripture where God is continually saying to us as people, hey, don't be afraid. Jesus also promised, (coughs) he says this in Matthew 11, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Think about that for a moment. Jesus said, if you're weary, if what you're carrying in yourself, if what you're carrying in your life is too heavy, he says, well, why don't you come to me? Give that to me and you'll find rest for your soul. You know, as the years go on, something that we've seen through COVID and the the years that have followed is that the greatest thing to have is not financial security. The greatest thing to have is peace of mind. I mean, that's the most powerful thing. We can cope with anything if internally we have a sense of peace and hope and strength and we know that God is with us. That is the greatest gift we have because it unlocks everything else. I can't remember who painted it, but years ago I saw a painting and in this painting there is this really rough sea. There's a storm going on, there's a really rough sea And there's a small boat in that. And in the boat, there is a father. He's got this yellow uh, sailor's mac on, etc. And storm around everywhere. But in his arms, he's got his son. And his son is asleep. And the title is just Peace. You know, in the midst of storm, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of challenge, that when we rest in the arms of Jesus Christ, we can sleep in peace, no matter how bad the storm is, because he is able. He can do it. He can bring us through, but we need to trust. It's about trusting. You know, Jesus said we need to become like little children. And I sometimes think, well, what do you mean by that? The thing is, little children trust. You know, when my son was five, I could have told him to stand on the balcony and me stand down here and say, jump, I'll catch you. And he'd have launched himself off. Children trust. They trust. And we need to trust Jesus just like that. And what does that mean? That means you can't work it out. You can't work it out. I don't know how many times in my life I've hit a situation and my brain has gone into overdrive and I'm trying to work it out and do this. And Jesus says, trust me. And I trust God and I try not to think of the consequences and I say, Lord, I'm trusting you. And God works it out in a way that I could never have imagined. He just does it. And afterwards you think, well, was I silly to be worried about this? And I want to encourage you this morning as we go into this last week heading up to Christmas and people go nuts about shopping and nuts about family going around and food and all of that. Trust in God in all that you do. Uh, The the biggest lesson I've learned in the last 30 plus years of ministry is just trusting God. And and, and for me, trusting in God means I don't try to work it out. That doesn't mean I'm abdicating my responsibility. I do what I know I should do. But where it is beyond me, I say, Lord, you need to sort this out. And I continue on and I don't worry about it and say, Lord, you sort this out. And let me tell you, the testimony of my life is that from 
from age 16 onwards where I started to follow Jesus and I started to learn this, trust in him and passing it on to him, uh, he has sorted out stuff more wonderfully than I could ever do. Trust. And this is the thing, you will find rest for your soul. Rest. How many of you want rest this Christmas? To be able to sit down and think, you know what, I'm at peace now. Because the thing is, the world will not let you rest. The world will say, hey guys, you need to spend all of your money to make Christmas good. And then when you've spent all of your money to make Christmas good, the world will say, you shouldn't have spent all that money because now you haven't got any money. The world is not your friend. But Jesus will give you rest and peace as you trust in him. And let me repeat, this is only available in Jesus. It is not available in any other religion. It's not available in any other faith because it is only available through Jesus Christ. Jesus makes promises and he keeps them. He has kept every promise that he has made. If we live according to his way, according to his truth, if we receive his life into our life, we will find that the way may be hard, but Jesus is with us. Imagine this job advert. Come and work for us. Our work is easy and our workload is light. Would we go, woohoo, I'm signing up. Well, that's just what Jesus offers. He said, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So here's a really simple thing. I know over the years, I've counseled people, I've prayed with people and people will come up and say, I can't cope with this. I don't know why God has given me this because I can't deal with it. And I say, well, hold on a minute. Jesus said, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Are you sure you've taken something on that's from Jesus? Jesus will never, ever give you something that you can't cope with. He won't. He says here he won't do that. But the world will. The devil definitely will. And other people will. You've just got to learn to say no. You know, it doesn't take a great deal of time when you're involved in leadership or whether you're involved in any form of work where you realize that saying no is as important as saying yes. Because if you don't know how to say no, there are plenty of people who will offload all of their work onto you because you just say yes all the time. You've got to learn to say no. Say no. This is not good for my mental health. This is not good for my family. I'm saying no. And so remember that if you are living a life that is overburdened, that is full of stress, that is leading you to premature death, as the World Health Organization says, that is not the kind of life that Jesus has given you. The world will put those things on you and we need to say, I'm not having it. 
I am not having it. One of the things in the article, and I've seen this so many times in the last 10 years, are the number of people who are leaving high-paid jobs to get a simple job because they don't want all of that stress that comes with the high-paid job they were having. don't know whether I've said this before, but my observation of the working life is the richest and most successful people have no family. Think about that for a moment. The leaders, the CEOs of companies, the leaders of the nations, etc., who spend so many hours, who put so much on people, they have lost their families because they are serving a God of work and money and greed and everything else. They are not a good example. Absolutely not. Jesus is the best example because Jesus worked hard, but he also rested. And the most important thing that Jesus did was he snuck away from everybody to have time with his Father. And we need that. We need to spend that time praying and talking to Jesus. And so the thing is that Jesus wants you to have the best life. And I really wanted to share this message simply because we're moving into 2024. We don't know what that's going to bring. But I do know that if we make Jesus the way, the truth, and the life in our lives, next year will be the best possible year we could have. You will not be overburdened. You will not need um, anti-stress tablets. You will not go mad because Jesus will make sure that you are doing what you should be doing, and no more. You know, I've learned one of the things that I love about how God operates is that God is a a seasons person. Did you know that? What I mean by that is that everything that God does works in seasons. So uh, if you look at the farmer, yep, His hard work is when he's sowing the stuff and then when he's reaping the stuff in. But he's not doing those things constantly, all the time, 10 hours a day, around the clock, 24-7, you know, 52 weeks a year. He's not doing that. He has times where he can put his feet up and say, I'm now waiting, that job is done. God knows that there are seasons in our life where we work intensely, but then there is also um, a period in life when things go less. It's kind of what you call an ebb and flow of life. The difficulty is our world is run by greedy people and they don't care about the ebb and flow. They just want you to be working at this level all the time, 24-7, and then they wonder why people are off sick constantly. And we need to understand there are ebbs and flows. There are times to be busy and there are times when we're not. Read um, Ecclesiastes. Time for everything. As I finish this morning, I want to finish with another scripture from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 to 11. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. 
Remember that your family of believers over, um, so all over the world are going through similar kinds of suffering that you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore you and support you and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power forever to him. The godly, worry-free life is found in living a humble life. Now, humble life doesn't mean that we don't do things. Humble life means that we recognize that we are weak as human beings, but God is amazingly strong. The Apostle Paul learned and he said, God's power is best seen when we are weak. When we think we can do it, God will let us do it until we recognize that we can't do it and then we will come to God and he will do it through us and it will be better than we've ever thought. And so it starts from a position of weakness. I like that. God doesn't look and say, okay, let's get all the strong, good people do it. He says, no, 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 no. When you recognize that you are weak, then you have moved to a position where my power can flow through you because you rec recognize that humility is the way to go. Life is a person who recognize they can't go it alone. Let me tell you something that older people know better than younger people. I'm looking at my daughter, you know, because we have these conversations. You know, because sometimes kids think they know more than their parents, which may well be true. But listen to this, that actually, as you get older, you recognize that you cannot do it alone. When you're young, you can. When you're old, you can't. I mean, let's face it, sometimes just getting off the floor is a challenge. You know, I used to sit down loads, play games with the kids, and I still do it now, but then I get a cramp in this leg, and then you have to get up and stuff. Uh, you know, as we get older, and, and you know, it should teach us in the world that we can't do this alone. God created church to be a body, to be a family, and we work with one another, and therefore we should call upon people. You should never, ever... Be ashamed to say, oh, I can't ask anybody for help. We are a body together. We love one another. We care for one another. We help one another. Just a short story as a side. When, when I was in India and, and we were in this thing where Joss and I were getting married. It's a long story, but I'll share it with you one day maybe. But one of my fears was that here I was, a kind of German Brit in my tradition and my family. Um, I had um, four brothers and sisters uh, and my family was fairly small. And as soon as I married Jocelyn, I inherit hundreds of uncles and cousins and aunts and nephews and nieces. And, and I mean, every, I become an uncle to just about every child around there. And I was thinking, how am I gonna cope with this? You know, I kind of like my space, etc. We got married. And I remember one day we were sitting at home and there was a knock at this door and door opened. We were just cooking dinner. Door opened and, and nine cousins had just decided to pop in and visit for lunch. Can you imagine that? How would Gary cope? Nine, he'd, he'd probably do really well. <laughs> but you know what? Everybody mucked in. We thinned out the gravy a bit, added more rice. 
And we were sitting there and a child started crying and, and the closest adult picked up the child and comforted. It wasn't the mum or dad. And I sat there and thought, actually, I quite like this. Because this is family. It's not left for one person to do. You know the scenario where you can't touch anybody else's child. I think it's nuts. We should be able to, as adults, comfort a child. And so I look and I think, you know what? There is something about being part of the family. And the reason God calls the church his body, his family, is we should be a testimony to the world about how much we love one another. Surely that's what Jesus meant when he said, the world will know you're my disciples because of the way you love one another. And so we're one big family together. We live together, we work together, we do stuff together. doesn't mean you can't have your own space, but there is this recognition that we don't have to carry a heavy load on our own because there are others around with us. Isn't it amazing that something that would be stressful to do on your own can become quite a pleasant thing when there's three or four people helping you and you can have fun doing it? I want to encourage you this morning, do not carry the burdens alone. First, go to Jesus, because he will walk with you. But then you have all of these brothers and sisters who are here to walk with you through the challenging times that you face. And quite rightly, this scripture in 1 Peter says, you cast your care to Jesus because he cares for you. But it also says that we need to be watchful. You know, as much as there's Jesus and God is there, there is also the devil, and the devil really will try to trip you up. He, really, he will try to deceive you. He will try to get you alone. He will try to put burdens on you that you shouldn't be carrying, and we need to be alert about that. One of the things that I think is a bit of a challenge for us as church, that quite often we see people heading into a swamp and we say nothing. We kind of think, you know, oh. and then things go really bad and we say, well, we could see it coming, but we just didn't feel we could say, well, we should say. I mean, I, I have to say, in, in my own family, wider family, I've got myself into trouble for saying stuff. And I've not said it nastily, but I've just kind of said that course of action will lead to disaster. How can I help you? And we are here to encourage to strengthen one another, to day by day draw that from Jesus. And if there's one thing you walk out with today, it's this simple thing that every single day you need to draw your strength from Jesus. We are a bit like the Santa in the foyer. If you pull the plug out, he deflates real quick. Pull the plug out and Santa goes, Phew! put the plug in and he's as large as life. If we are not plugged into Jesus on a daily basis, we will deflate quicker than we than Santa out there. And we wonder why we don't have the strength, why we don't have the energy, and it's because we haven't got that flow through of Jesus. Jesus said, abide in me. We need to be connected to the vine to allow the life to constantly flow. And the way we do that is through a daily practice of reading the Bible and praying. And by praying, I'm not on about set prayers. You pour your heart out to God. What's on your heart? You share that with God. And as you read your Bible, allow him to speak to you through it. And it will encourage your heart. So this Christmas, 
the good news is that Jesus gives you a gift of a worry-free life as you trust in him. Let's pray.